it is uh, another week until the season of Advent begins. It's still a whole month until Christmas. It's 30 days today. But, you know, we're getting ready. The, the lights are going up. Even if they're not on yet, the lights are going up in the high street. Ready for the time that's coming. We are getting you to sign up for village night. We are getting you to do different things. The preparations are underway. And uh, a few days ago, when I, I went to a garden centre, I had to go through a forest of trees just to get into the shop. You know, there was Nordman and uh, Norway spruce and you have to zigzag through them and then you once you got in the doors I'd only gone for bird food at this garden centre well once I got in the doors um, I had to zigzag another path through lights and tinsel and baubles uh, and everything that they were trying to persuade me to buy to decorate my home getting ready for Christmas they were not the things I'd come for, but they were the things to be negotiated. And the last one, the last bit before you got into the shop proper and suddenly everything wasn't quite as crammed together, was a post box. And it looked like a big, normal, about five foot tall, I suppose it is, post box. And it claimed to offer delivery of a letter straight to Father Christmas. You know, you write on it what you want you know the entire contents of the Argus catalogue pop it in the slot and off it goes well the, the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians is rather like a Christmas letter it declares what is hoped for what is desired what perhaps is expected but this is no gift list, gift list for himself. The apostle is writing on behalf of God. And the thing at the top of the list, the most desired thing, is you. That's what's there. It's us. You and I are chosen to become God's treasured possession. He knows that we've all been naughty. He knows that we're not always nice. But we are what he wants. Paul tells us how some were chosen first. By this he means the, the early church. That were all Jewish uh, born believers. And then he speaks of how you were included. That is the Gentiles that he was writing to. But then he brings this we and this you together and speaks of our inheritance. Our inheritance. Revealing the commonality that now exists, regardless of who we once were. For in Christ we become equal members of the family. 
we become his sons and daughters, each with an equal share in that inheritance. We always were part of his creation, as are all people and indeed all things. But in choosing to accept Christ's way as our way, we enter a new relationship, a new covenant. We will be God's people. He will be our God, just as the promise was made long, long ago to the people of Abraham. Now, we do not, at this time, although we can rejoice, although we can sing, although we can delight in this relationship that we have, we do not yet know the fullness of that inheritance. But the price was paid for us by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The deposit was put down. We are his to continue that Christmas present analogy, we're we like the bicycle in the shop window already with the sold sign on it. We have been bought. We're not yet taken home, but we are bought. We are his. We are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit upon our heart, which says we are for the Heavenly Father. We are not for the ways of the world. We belong to God. But why are we chosen? But why? Why such a rich sacrifice made for me and you? That Jesus, the Son of God, came to die for our sins. And the reason is both simple, yet also impossible to comprehend. Knowing our weakness and human frailty, fully aware that we don't live his way, God chooses us in our broken condition, Because it's not about who we are. It's not that we are great. It's not that we are marvellous. It's about who he is. God, the all-powerful, chooses us for himself because he is so loving, so full of mercy and grace. A 21st century child might click through the pages of Amazon to pick the fashionable item, the heavenly, uh, the, the heavily marketed gadget that sings, dances, and counts how many steps you've gone, the item that costs almost nothing to manufacture but sells for hundreds of pounds. But the Father in heaven looks at the earth and chooses flawed humanity, and we become restored people. To the praise of his glory. We who are flawed are his choice. We would be rather egotistical and also a bit Calvinist if we thought there was something special about how we who are gathered here as individuals happen to be the chosen. 
and then thought about those across the road in the pub or the cafe or in the co-op and said, oh, we have the chosen. That's not quite how it works, is it? They are chosen too, but have not responded. Not responded yet to God's desire for them. Perhaps they have not been told. Maybe they have chosen to reject the knowledge that God has love for the world. Such love that he sent his only son. We don't know, but we know that we are chosen and the offer is available. And part of being the church is to make that offer known, that choice that is there. Paul delights in the chosen. He delights in the Ephesians who are people of God with faith and love. People that have like you and me. And he would likewise give thanks that we are part of the one church. But Paul is not simply content with the Ephesians knowing God. The apostle wants them to know more of God. He longs for them to come closer each day as people of the kingdom. He remembers them in his prayers. And it is right that we remember each other, each believer, in our prayers too. But if you look at how he is praying for them, in verse 17, 18 and 19. He's, he's not praying for their health. I'm sure that he would if he knew that they were sick. He would be praying for their healing then. But in this passage, it's not their health that he's praying for. He's not praying about their employment. And of course, for believers... In the first century, there were difficult times. And they would face persecution and discrimination. But that's not what he's praying for. The focus of Paul's prayers is for the people in Ephesus to have a continual deepening of their relationship with God. These are people that have made a commitment to Christ. These are people that are following the way. But he wants them to know more. To come closer. His prayer is that they will know deep in their heart. Now, of course, a heart doesn't have memory cells as we know today. It's not like a brain. But what Paul is trying to communicate is the need of the church's knowledge to not simply be information stored in the brain, a load of facts and figures about God. It's not simply the story of the scriptures of old and the new covenant found in the gospel. 
Paul believes the knowledge of God and of his will must start the heart and cause us to respond with compassion, with grace, with mercy, to be God's people, people made in the image of God. And that's not, as the conversation was going on Newsnight earlier this week, about, you know, is God male? It's about living the way he loves. So I wonder, I wonder whether we as his people pray in the way that Paul, the apostle, was praying for the church. Do you take out the church directory, the who's who, and use it more than a simple address book when you need to ring somebody? Do you use it as your prayer guide? Do you pray for those people, our fellowship, and how they need to have a deepening relationship each day? How each one in that book might grow in faith. We have one month between now and Christmas, 30 days. I urge you this month to pray for the members of the church fellowship, for the people of this congregation, and also for those on the fringes. The, the names might not be there in the directory, but the names of the groups are. Be thinking of those that are in the art club and stepping stones, in the boys' brigade, those impulse, all those things, those other things that meet during the week, those that we have contact with. Pray for wisdom and revelation that we might each know God better. Pray that the eyes of their hearts may be open to his hope. Pray that we might know his incomparably great power. Pray that Christ reign in our church and his will for each of our lives. Might be clear. As you prepare for the month ahead, as you stir up the Christmas pudding, it's stuff up Sunday for those of you that know such things. As you put the lights up, as you hang baubles on a tree, remember. The celebrations ahead are marking the good news that God chooses you. Wherever you're sat or upstairs dancing about, God chooses you. He came 
for you as Christ our Saviour. And think of what it means that for your life that it's not just a case that he has chosen you but that you have chosen him. Where does that lead you? What does it cause you to do? How does it cause you to live? What decisions do you have to make? Because you are chosen. He is our head. So may we give glory to him with our life, with our body, with our all.